Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Transformation Church and our online family, and I'm so glad to see you, even if it's through a camera. Um, I hope that you are gathered together around your living room or whatever device you're watching on to worship and dive into God's Word together. Um, I hope that you're doing that as a family unit um, or uh, you and your spouse, or maybe it's just you today. Maybe um, you're just by yourself, but I hope you've set aside time to honor God and not just let this be a time that kind of just slides by you. Um, but that you prioritize it. I'm so glad that you've chosen to be with us. Um, You have found us on week two of our series called It's Complicated. And we're talking about complicated relationships. Now, last week uh, was week one, and we talked about relationships at home, relationships with family. And I think every one of us knows how complicated those can be. Um, And then this week, we're going to talk about relationships with friends, why friendship is important, why community is important. Next week, we're going to talk about the church and our relationship with the church and what that should look like. And then finally, in week four, uh, we'll talk about our relationship with God. Now, I, I hope that each one of you join us for the entirety of it. So if this is your first week, you can... Uh, Click back uh, to last week and watch last week's message and just keep up with us going forward with our desire being that after this message, after this service today, that you leave transformed, that even though we're not in the building, that the word of God can transform us no matter where we are from the inside out. And that worship can take place not just here in this building, but right from your heart. That's where true worship comes from. So anyways, I'm excited to dive into today. So grab your copy of God's Word, whether it's digital or like I've got here, the physical one, and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So if you flip right to the middle, you'll find Psalms, and then there's Proverbs, and then you'll find Ecclesiastes. This is an uh, incredibly revealing book And um, I don't want you to miss what God has for us in it today. So turn there. I want you to see that what we're preaching is God's word. This is not a preacher's soapbox, uh, but simply we want the word of God to weigh on our lives in a way that is transformative, not just an information exchange. So um, just to give you a little background, Ecclesiastes is kind of like the sad sequel to Proverbs. Um, In Proverbs, Solomon kind of 
fills the entire book with wise sayings to his children. Um, And so that's kind of the picture of Proverbs, these wise sayings to his kids on how to live. And then we have this sad, lamenting, almost like Solomon is uh, upset that he didn't follow his own advice. Um, If you look right at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes, this is how the book opens. Uh, The words in chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the teacher, son of David, uh, king in Jerusalem, absolute futility. In the King James, it's probably vanity of vanities. Um, In some of your versions, it's going to say absolutely meaningless, he says, uh, says the teacher, absolutely, uh, absolute futility. Everything is futile. What a way to open a book of God's word. Why would he open it this way? Uh, What you'll find about Ecclesiastes is that this entire book is a sermon written to warn us not to live a meaningless life. That's what that word futile means. That's what that word um, vanity means. It means meaningless. And your life, God designed your life to be full of meaning. And so uh, in today's text, it's going to show us how Solomon kind of thinks we we can achieve that meaningful life. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, and we're going to be in verses 9 through 12. Um, Solomon teaches that in order to live a life that counts, we have to learn to value relationships over pleasure. We have to learn to value people over things. Um, And Solomon makes this very simple point at the very beginning of our of verse nine, where he says, um, and, and you can we can read there together in just a moment. But he says in verse nine, uh, two are better than one. I want you to say it right where you're at. Two are better than one. Um, and just to give you some context, in seven and eight, Solomon warns that selfish isolation uh, from others is vanity or is futile. It's meaningless. Um, And then right after this scripture that we're reading, 9 through 12, in 13 through 16, he says that um, superficial fame is empty. You know, it's meaningless. Uh, So right between those two extremes, our text kind of sits right in the midst of it to teach us that our relationships with friends, having community around us, is important, that two are better than one. And now, even in Proverbs 18, it says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So in other words, um, those who um, isolate from others, they're, they're selfish, they're foolish, and, and the Bible, Scripture would say, ungodly. Now, in today's world, our culture kind of uh, speaks to the power of one, you know. Um, and, but Scripture doesn't support this isolation. Um, now, I know many of us today that I'm speaking to, you've been wounded 
by people uh, that you were close to. But Solomon, obviously knowing this because he's walked some road at this point, he doesn't even address it. He just kind of simply states this fact that two are better than one. And this has been the case since the very beginning of time. If you go back to Genesis, when God created the entire world, he, he said, man, look at all this good. It, this is good until one moment. He looked at man being alone and he said, this is not good. It's the only time he said it. The only time he said, this is not good, is when he said, he said uh, it is not good for man to be alone. And so as we dive into today's scripture, we're going to read it now. Um, Solomon gives us four reasons that two are better than one. So uh, if you would read this with me, Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So the very first thing we find here, the first thing that Solomon teaches us, is that two are better than one when you are at work. Um, if you flip over just um, a couple pages to Ecclesiastes 10.10, it says, If the axe is dull one does not uh, and one does not sharpen its edge, then one must exert more strength. However, the advantage of wisdom, uh, the advantage of wisdom is that it brings success. So very simple truth here. Um, Solomon would advise you to work smarter, not harder. And then here in our scripture today, he tells us um, how to do that. The very first verse here in verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. In other versions, it's going to say toil. They're going to have good reward for their toil. Um, and the simple way that two are better than one is that you get more accomplished. Um, the word toil here, though, I, I think this is important to point out, this toil to labor, um, this means to work hard, diligent labor. This isn't the picture of someone sitting in a cubicle, kind of just counting the hours till they get off. Um, this isn't the picture of uh, laziness. No, this is the picture actually of someone laboring in the field. Uh, someone who knows that if they don't work hard, they won't see a harvest. Someone that knows if they don't work hard, their family won't eat. Um, so this reminds us that cultivating a meaningful life is hard work. Doing, it, doing things right is hard work. Getting an education is hard work. Building a successful career 
is hard work. Uh, nurturing a godly marriage, that's hard work. Raising responsible children, that is hard work. Doing the work of the Lord is hard work. And sharing your faith with others is also hard work. You see, the assumption of the text is that meaningful life is hard work, but the affirmation of the text is that you can accomplish abundantly more when you work together with others. Um, Two are better than one when you go to work. I'll tell you uh, kind of where my heart went when I read this scripture. Uh, I see some of you would be surprised at the amount of spiritual growth you would, um, that would happen in your heart if you were to spiritually partner with other people. Um, you're trying to win this war of your soul on your own. Um, and, and I see it also, I see kind of a, a, a bad end of this in that I see a lot of Christians that look at other churches and, and can kind of be jealous or, or uh, kind of, kind of speak bad against other churches, let me tell you something. God is doing great things at Transformation Church RVA, but he's not only working here. And I believe that we can achieve more according to our scripture together when we have friends um, in other churches, in other places that are presenting the gospel until all of Virginia, until our whole state, our whole community knows who Jesus Christ is. Two are better than one when you're at work. Number two, two are better than one when you've fallen down. Uh, So verse nine makes the point that two are better than one uh, with the picture of a laborer. Now, verses 10 through 12 change the picture here. It changes the picture to someone who is traveling. So a traveler who's traveling down the road And specifically, verse 10 addresses a common threat for everyone watching this today. Everyone watching this, if you stand up and you put one foot in front of the other, you may fall down. Anybody ever fallen down? Um, I've I've seen people fall down. Sometimes it's funny. You try not to laugh. Uh, That's my default. I try not to laugh. I make sure they're not hurt seriously, and then I might laugh. But this is not the type of fall we're talking about here. Um, It says in verse 10, for uh, if either falls, his companion can lift him up. So um, it's easier to get up when you have a hand to grab. But then it goes further. But how can, um, uh, I'm sorry, that was the next verse. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. This isn't just any type of fall. This is a collapse. And, And I don't know if you've ever fallen this way. And I'm not just talking physically. I'm talking emotionally. I'm talking mentally. I'm talking about a family breakdown. I'm talking about the type of fall. Maybe it was sin. But this is a fall that you do not get up from. This is a hard, devastating fall. Um, No matter how experienced you are at walking, you may fall. No matter how skilled you are at walking, you still may fall. No matter how careful you are, 
not to trip and fall, you still may fall. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.12 warns, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. So in other words, uh, the person who thinks he or she um, is exempt from falling is actually the leading candidate for a fall. You are prone, hear me today, to fall in life's journey. You're prone to fall. And note that verse 10 doesn't even specify how you fall. It, it could be a slippery route. Um, the, you, you might have someone push you down. You may not be paying attention and fall. And it doesn't really cover how you fall, but you may fall. And it's very explicit that this is a bad fall and a fall that you need help getting up on. And all of us will need help. From time to time. In fact, Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, he's fallen into sin. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Listen, this particular verse um, is the picture of someone breaking a bone or needing their neck mended. Uh, the church has been so guilty at times of if someone comes in and they've got a sin issue, it's almost like people back up because they don't want to catch it. Well, this should not be the picture of the church. No. In fact, two or better than one, when you have fallen down, you need someone to help you back up. And that's the call of the church. We should be marked by Mercy. The church should be about restoration, not amputation. You know why you fix a broken arm? You know why you mend a broken neck? Because you want to use it again. God is in the restoration business, not the amputation business. And so two are better than one when you have fallen down. Number three. We find here in verse 11, two are better than one when you are in the cold. Now, commentators kind of look at this verse in verse 11 that says, also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. Um, commentators got, get nervous about this, and so they say, oh, this must apply to marriage. You know, these must be married travelers um, or, or a married traveler. So, but it doesn't jive, and I'll tell you why. Nothing in this chapter talks about marriage. But what are we talking about? We're talking about a traveler here. A guy who's been on the road. Night has fallen. Uh, it's gotten cold. Uh, there's no room at the inn. Maybe um, it, it's a desolate place. And now this traveler is exposed to the elements. And his life is now in jeopardy. Um, so uh, as... The point of verse 11 is that life will sometimes leave you in the cold. I've been there and I've walked it when my faith has gotten cold, when it seems like my marriage has gotten cold. Maybe I've, I don't know, my friendships have gone stale. Uh, but let me say it another way. Verse 9 says that you need fellowship to succeed in your work. Verse 10 says you need fellowship to stand again when you fall. 
But verse 11 says that you need fellowship to survive when you are in the cold. And I just need to tell you, maybe you're not a Christian today. If you think that becoming a Christian, if you say the prayer at the end of this, uh, that you accept Christ, that you are, no, you are exempt now from the cold and rejection and disappointment, that is just not the case. And Christian, hear me. You are not exempt today from suffering. And you will need others to warm you up when you are left, when life has left you in the cold. You're going to need support. You're going to need encouragement. You're going to need intercession. You're going to need generosity. And many of those things you aren't going to be able to draw from within yourself. Uh, now, while we often condemn feather, fair weather friends, this verse tells us that it is important to cultivate friends when the sun is shining. An anonymous author wrote, I went out to find a friend and they were nowhere. I went out to be a friend and they were everywhere. I wrote this down because I think some of you need to hear this. You can't live life in a way that keeps everyone at arm's length Demanding your space, demanding your privacy, and then expect people to rush to lie next to you when life has left you cold or fallen. No. Two are better than one when you're working, when you've fallen, and when you found yourself left in the cold. Maybe you find yourself today in the cold. Maybe you find yourself today needing warmth, but you've pushed everybody away. This, can I just tell you from a pastor's heart, the most, the most heartbreaking thing for me is watching people who start to walk through a cold season. Your faith has become cold. Your life has become cold. You're, you've become insensitive. You're numbing to things, or maybe you've fallen. The, what breaks and should break a Christian's heart the most is when people feel like you have to run away and be by yourself and get it straight first. I am begging you. I am pleading you. If you find yourself today in a cold place, that it is warm here. It is warm in the family of God. We're here to wrap our arms around. We're here to restore. God is here through our arms, because two are better than one when you are in the cold. And then lastly, two are better than one when you are in a fight. You see, there's strength in spiritual unity. Uh, Luke 10, 25-32 tells us this story of the Good Samaritan. Now, this is the type of fight here we're seeing in verse 12. Um, the Good Samaritan um, hasn't shown up yet, and this guy is traveling to Jerusalem, and he's going down a very dangerous road. It's known to be dangerous, not in a sense that he might fall off of something, but that um, he may get hurt. And so that is exactly what happened. He's traveling down this road. He gets mugged. Um, he's beaten. He's robbed, and he's left for dead, and he... Primarily because he was all alone. You will encounter attacks. Attacks on your faith. Attacks on your peace. 
attacks on your family, attacks on your friends, personal attacks. You'll be attacked by people you don't even know. They don't, they don't, they've never even had a conversation with you, but they think you just don't uh, look right. And so they'll attack you. And the worst is even when it comes from within the church or even your own family, when it's people that are supposed to love and care for you, but they come after you and they try to attack you. Hear me, saints and those who are looking for an answer. Hear me, you will receive attacks. And many of you have experienced them. But two are better than one when you are in a fight. Moreover, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, uh, one verse we read in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, we find that it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rules, against uh, rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, over spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Listen to me. The devil is out to steal and attack you. Okay? Especially when you're trying to do the right things. I, I talk to people all the time and they're like, you know what? I never had any problems until I became a Christian. Now it feels like everything is a fight. My marriage is a fight. Trying to be a good dad is a fight. Trying to be a good friend is a fight. And, and oftentimes my response is, and, and you've probably heard this saying before, um, if you've never run into the devil, it's probably because you're going in the same direction. When you become a Christian, it is an all-out fight. There are some attacks you cannot face on your own. There are some battles you cannot fight on your own. There are some enemies you can't defeat on your own. There are attitudes you can't change on your own. There are habits you cannot break on your own. There are problems you cannot solve on your own. And listen to me, there are some needs that you cannot meet on your own. Two are better than one when you're in a fight. Now, as I get ready to close, I want to kind of contradict the point I've been making in this sermon. There is one occasion where one is better than two. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only occasion in which one person is better than two is when you meet a man named Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the very best friend you can ever have. It reminds me of this song I've got right here. Um, and I'm just going to let this finish the message today. And I'll read the lyrics to you. The song says, it's a very old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Listen to the second verse. It says, have 
you trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Would you do that with me now? Father, we come before you in prayer this very moment. For those who may not know you. Those who want to know this community. This, these friends. Um, and, and, and really this friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. Those that may want to know you today. If you're listening to this prayer right now. Would you, if you want to know Jesus. Would you pray this with me? Father, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I feel your Holy Spirit revealing my need for you. I feel something shifting. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe you died and you rose again to pay for my ransom, to pay for my sin. Would you take complete control of my life? I give it to you in Jesus' name. And Father, today for those who may feel isolated, maybe life has handed them a hard set of cards. Maybe, um, maybe they've just, they naturally want to be by themselves. Lord, reveal through your Holy Spirit their need for community, their need for good, Christ-centered friendships. Help us to heal where those have hurt us and understand today that we are better when we have two. That two are better than one when we're working for you. Two are better than one when we're working on our marriage. Two are better than one when we're in a fight or cold or we've fallen down to get a hand up. And Lord, you are better than all. And we lay before you all of our cares, and we'll give you all the praise for the work your word has done in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.